0: Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we watch on how much money movies are making and the why. This is the show recapping the weekend of February 3rd through the 5th, 2023. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host, host was doing well out there Hopefully better than me uh, My phone crapped out Out of nowhere uh, Earlier today uh, So I was going to record Earlier this morning uh, On Wednesday But uh, You know Obviously I had to go Take care of getting A new phone first Since you know uh, I can't go see the movies Without my AMCA list um, But seriously I need to get a new phone So I'm recording this Wednesday night um, There are some new stories That have come out Since I wrote the script For this Tuesday um, And then You know Right now as I recorded, I'll incorporate those Into next week's episode um, Just so I don't put this episode off anymore, as there's already a lot, right? We have three new films in the top five, uh, some new movie date, and then a bunch of headlines about some uh, questionable decisions from both streaming and exhibition companies. But first, let's get into the top five from this past week. Uh, in first place, we have a new weekend leader. After seven weeks of Avatar, M Night Shyamalan and Universal's *Knock at the Cabin*, starring Dave Bautista and Gloopert Grint, among others, came in at number one with a fourteen point one million dollar total in three thousand six hundred forty-three theaters for a three thousand eight hundred seventy-eight per theater average. Overseas, they made another seven million or so, for about twenty-one million total worldwide. Now, that's a bit below initial projections from Box Office Pros, who tend to forecast high twenty-three point two million. But still, given this one had a budget of about twenty. Million, Million, this one is very likely going to be profitable. Um, notably, Knock on the Cabin was the first film to knock the Avatar off of its perts after seven weeks. It's also End Night Shyamalan's fir- seventh number one film in his career. Uh, this one is pretty similar to Shyamalan's last film, Old, which made about $16.8 million in op- its opening weekend. It currently has a C on CinemaScore, which is about par for Shyamalan's film. Either you love it or you hate it. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes scores end up being 68% critics and 64% audience. Now obviously Knock at the the Cabin is the number one film for the weekend but the real interesting story I think is the number two film uh, 80 for Brady from uh, Paramount. Now back when this was announced that Tom Brady was going to retire for the first time around which coincidentally he retired again this past weekend um, it was announced that he would be the producer on this film based on a true life story of some senior citizen lady friends who went on the road trip together to see Super Bowl 2017 which of course was a Patriots win. Now this this film stars Jane Fonda, Sally Field, Rita Moreno, and Lily Tomlin, all uh, legends of the film industry, um, and the film ended up making about $12.7 million in 3,912 theaters for a 3,247 per theater average. Again, it's a little bit lower than po- Box Office Pro's forecast, which tend to be, again, high. At, you know, they had said $15.6 million, and it does have a higher budget than Knock at the Cabinet, $28 million. but looking beyond those line numbers, there's actually some really interesting stuff going on here. First, the demographics for this were very interesting. 49% over 55 years old, and sixty-eight percent female, so really queuing in on that older female demographic, resonating with you know the the girl the girlfriend angle. Um, this is the case of a film that you know definitely hits a demographic that that particular older demographic. Um, some other examples from recent that have done pretty well: A Man Called Otto, Take It to Paradise. Uh, you know, um, is it, it, you know this cater to that older audience that mainstream blockbuster films don't. Now, given that this coming weekend is the Super Bowl, it generally has, which means that movies generally will have lower move, uh, male attendance. Uh, this one could do pretty well next weekend. Um, the um, the other interesting thing here is that Paramount is doing a disc, was doing a discount matinee pricing for tickets. The national average ticket price for 80 Brady was about nine seventy nine, while knocking the cabins had an average about twelve thirty. Um, and again, right, that's not like that's not that's not necessarily just because you know they sold in different locations, but really, right, like you know they 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 had a similar number of theaters it's really that 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 discount pricing uh for madine pricing really coming into play here um this di- and this apparently will continue not only not just this one time this first weekend but you know throughout the weekend into next weekend as well now that didn't translate to more money for uh for uh over knock at the knock at the cabin but it did translate to more butts and seats right which I think movie theaters will be thankful for especially in those midday periods which have lower traffic uh, for example from the 1 to 5 pm range, uh 80 percent uh, Eighty for Brady made up fifty percent of ticket sales against Knock at the Cabins thirty-two percent. And then after eight p.m. on Saturday, eighty for Brady was only six percent of sales versus twenty-four percent for Samalan. Um, Ratings for eighty for Brady were pretty good. Uh, Well, you know sixty-three for critics, but ninety percent for audiences on Rotten Tomatoes and A minus on Cinema Score. So I have a feeling you know this will will, this one will kind of be the uh, the older person catnip for a little bit while longer. At number three, we have the former king, Avatar: Way of Water, and weekend number eight, dropping twenty nine percent to eleven point three million in three thousand three hundred ten theaters for a three thousand four hundred twenty five per theater average. Domestic total of six hundred thirty six point nine million, pushing it into the top ten all time reigns domestically. About fifteen million or so to beat number to beat Jurassic World at number nine. And uh, number four, we have Puss in Boots. Hanging in there with 7.8 million in 3,452 theaters for a 25% drop and a 2,282 per theater average, about 151 million domestic, 370 million worldwide. And then running out of the top 5, BTS, yet to come in the- cinemas, which is a concert movie of the popular K-pop boy band on hiatus, made $5.1 million in 1,100 theaters for 4636 per theater average, the best of anything with more than 50 theaters this weekend. It actually made $7.8 million to date, given it had a bit of a midweek release. This is the fifth BTS film from Traffic Girl releasing, and their highest grossing one to date. Uh, outside of the top five, Fathom Events is back with another chosen TV series screening. The Christian uh, series series finale, season three finale made $3.6 million in 1731 theaters for a 20 93 per theater average. *A uh, Pathan, the Bollywood film that surprised us by popping into the top five last week, dropped down in the second weekend about 61% for a cumulative total of $14.2 million to date. Uh, notably, that's already surpassed, surpassed last year's Indian flick, RRR, and is reportedly going to hit, has already hit $100 million Million dollars globally, the first Bollywood film to do so without a China release. Most of that was about 64 million from India, the rest overseas. It is about 18.9 million total, uh, so you know about 4, million, uh, 4 to five million or so, uh, to be the highest-grossing Indian film in the United States, ahead of Bahu Bali too. It uh, was an animated film, Amazing Maurice. That is not the Puss in Slayer. Only 1.4 million in 1546 theaters for a per theater average of 931. Crunchyroll put out the next anime film from the Sword Art Online series, made 600,000 892 theaters for a 680 per theater average. A uh, Strange World came to a close with a total run of just under 38 million. For um, co- for context on how much of a flop this is, or perhaps also how insane Frozen 2 was, Frozen 2's opening day, not weekend, but day, was 42 million dollars. So it made more uh, in in A single day than the entire one of Strange World. Uh, it's been now that said, uh, Plane, on the other hand, has been doing all right at the box office, making 28 million domestically against its 25 million production budget. But hitting being a month in theaters, it's already available on PVOD. And then Megan is also slowing down, uh, dropping 39% this weekend to 3.8 million for an 87 million domestic total. 100 million is probably off the table, unfortunately, uh, but still a very good run nonetheless. Overall, total box office this weekend was $78.9 million for the weekend. This coming weekend is both Super Bowl weekend followed immediately after by Valentine's Day. Uh, The main new release will be the third Magic Mike movie, Channing Tatum kind of staking his claim on this weekend. Uh, Magic Mike's Last Dance is expected to a relatively low 1200 to 1500 theaters, forecast $16 million domestic from box office pros. Uh, This one was originally going to be streaming before getting the upgrade, but not a lot of marketing, so we'll see how it does. Uh, We also have the 25th anniversary Titanic re-release, which will let it pull a little bit further ahead of Avatar 2, so that it won't easily be taken over uh, by a fellow James Cameron film. Um, And then that's forecast to open in 1,800 theaters for an $8 to $13 million total. And then IFC Films has a horror film Consecration releasing, and in a bit past the weekend for Valentine's Day itself on Tuesday, Crunchyroll has a two-day engagement for the anime film of Kaguya Summer Love is War, the romance movie, um, as well as... Oscar no- documentary nominee Fire of Love is going to come to theaters for one night. And then on the day after, on the 15th, next Wednesday, you will also have Fathom Events, Winnie the Pooh, uh, horror film Blood and Honey, as well as Liam Neeson's 100th movie, Marlo. Um Those are both ahead of, of course, Ant-Man and the Wasp, MCU film releasing on the 17th. Now looking a bit overseas in Japan, the next Demon Slayer movie, the Swordsmiths Village arc, which is really just the last uh, season of the anime condensed into one film, plus the first episode of the upcoming season, upcoming in April, opened to 8.8 million, which is the second highest opening for in February in Japan, uh, behind the third Lord of the Rings films. Uh, the BTS film we mentioned came in second with about three million for the three-day weekend. Um, also, Makoto Shinkai's film Suzume hit 100 million USD, um, and One Piece Red finally ended its run at 143 million dollars the 8th highest grossing film of all time in Japan in local currency, 19.7 billion yen. Uh, looking over at China, Wandering Earth 2 came back to take the number one spot for the weekend for a running total of $596 million. However, it still trails full River Red at $588 million US to date as a fellow Lunar New Year film. Avatar both uh, added about um, about um, $22 million for a $245 million cumulative total. Uh, meanwhile, uh, as I write what the, the script for this episode on Tuesday, Black Panther 2 released. Now, according to movie review site Dubon, uh, the reviews have come in at under 6.0. last I checked, which is about in line with the first Black Panther film had about 6.5. So mixed reviews overall, the first day looks like it came in third behind those previous two films I just mentioned, about 17% of the total market, making about 3.5 million US, uh, with a forecast for about 17 million over its probably short lifetime run before Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out. Uh, there are rumors of five more hollywood films getting dates set for a china release though nothing official uh the rumors are fast and the furious 10 is going to come may 19th transformers rise of the beat june 9th miss impossible 7 july 14th the mega 2 august 4th and then dune 2 on november 2nd uh, speaking of other international movie dates universal also moved the mario movie back a week in overseas markets to better align with the u.s release of april 7th Mo- so at most they'll be releasing maybe a day or two ahead of the u.s release over on the Sony side of things, they yet again moved the Adam Driver movie, Rise and Soar Movie 65*, up a week from its current, from its previous March 17th release date, back to March 10th, which is a which it had previously been dated before. So they can't really seem to settle on a date here. In addition, Sony officially titled their George Foreman biopic to be quite the m- mouthful: "A uh, Big George Foreman: The Miraculous Story of the One in Future Once and Future Heavyweight Champion of the World," releasing this coming April. And then from Lionsgate, we all got a first look and title of the upcoming, uh, previously untitled Adele Lim comedy film. Uh, it's a hard R uh, self-discovery film called Joyride. Features an all Asian cast coming in June, but notably debuting at South by Southwest uh, with the cast uh, featuring Stephanie Sue uh, from Everything Every All at Once, which of course premiered a year ago at at South by Southwest. Uh, A24 also announced they will be having 17-year-old Kane Parsons, who is most known uh, for his YouTube following after his viral success hit the Backrooms series, sort of a creepypasta adjacent sci-fi horror film. Uh, He's going to direct a movie based on the same project. Um, Atomic Monster, the genre-focused production company from James Wan that worked on Megan, will also be involved, as well as Stranger Things executive producer Son Levy's company, 21 Laps. And then out of the DCU, after last week's massive updates from James Gunn, rumors are that James Man- Mangold, who directed Logan, Ford vs. Ferrari, and is on the upcoming Indiana Jones film, is in talks to helm the Swamp Thing movie. So no confirmation yet, but that would be pretty interesting. Uh, no, it's, it's kind of, in, you know, you'd you think they'd go for one of the more, um, you know, visionary directors. You know, James Mangold kind of has a reputation for being a, you know, get-things-done director. doesn't really have a distinct style of his own, but all of his movies are very well done. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that ends up panning out. Now to wrap up the show, you know, as mentioned, there were some headlines about some seemingly boneheaded decisions moves out of various film companies. Uh, first off, Peacock, NBC's streaming service that previously had a free ad-supported tier will be eliminating that tier for new users, only allowing the $4.99 premium plan uh, with ads and no downloaded content, um, and then a $9.99 plus tier, which is ads-free and has the local NBC channel. Uh, currently free use current free users of Freecock, as it's uh, effect called, uh, won't be forced to switch over at the moment. Um, that that said, only new users will need to sign up for the for at least the 4.99 plan. Um, this is probably because Peacock uh, lost 2.5 million in 20 billion in 2022 and is expected to lose 3 billion this year. So they got to figure out some way to make money. Uh, meanwhile, Paramount Plus announced that they will be officially merging with SoTime, with an upcoming rebrand coming on the mo- pipeline. In the meantime, it's called Paramount Plus with SoTime, quite the mouthful. Um, layoffs are expected, as our programming changes. Uh, in a memo, the CEO noted that they will be diverting investment away from content that accounts for less than 10% of total views. Um, various shows from So Time have been cancelled and removed from the platform, including American Gigolo. Um, on the Paramount side, Jordan Peele's Twilight Zone TV series is probably the most notable series that has been pulled from the platform. Uh, they're definitely following the Zaslav School of Thought of pulling these films, so uh, pulling this content so that they don't have to pay royalties down the line. And then. Possibly the biggest home boneheaded move out there, though, uh, there is definitely some competition, the Netflix password sharing rules for uh, It looked like, you know, late last week that they Netflix po- officially was going to cut down on people sharing their password outside of the physical household. Uh, the gist of it was that Netflix would require all devices logged into an account to log into the Wi-Fi of the primary household location every 31 days to stay logged in. If you went longer than that, you are locked out of the device. Uh, never mind people who were traveling for extended periods of time or, say, kids, Kids who were going off to college and were still using the family plan, um, you know, I, I don't know what Netflix was expecting. You know, they, you know, it's not. I, I maybe they were hoping people, you know, oh, I can't, I can't use my 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 uh, family's plan. I have to get my own plan now. I'm an adult. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I I, that, I guess you know you know. I, it, I figure that, you know, people just get fed up, especially with just all the competition out there. they would just sign up for another content. Out there. It's not like there's no shortage of other streaming services out there. Um, not to mention people who, you know, who wouldn't be affected. You know, people were reminded that how much they were paying for Netflix. Some people just, you know, downgraded, right? Or you know, I don't think anyone upgraded their plan uh, to account for this, especially since, you know, why are you paying for so many devices? I mean, how many devices do you need to stream at home? I mean, Netflix seems to think that everyone, no one is interacting with each other and everyone's sitting in a different room watching different things on. Netflix. Netflix. Um, if that's the case, you know, it's more likely I'm watching Quincy while my wife is watching Netflix or something like that, right? Um, you know, it looks like enough people were annoyed by this uh, and canceled or downgraded or whatever that Netflix ended up removing this, pla- this update from their site saying it was posted in error and not final, though that probably means they're going to try this again at some point in the future. Uh, not to be outdone though, AMC has their own contender for uh, Dumbest Move of the Year so far, uh, where they will start charging different movie prices, not for different movies, which they actually already have done. Uh Charging an extra dollar or two for the Batman film, but they're going to be charging for different seat, different prices for the different seats in the same screening. They're calling it sideline by AMC, and you know, similar to say a concert or theater or whatever, where you pay more for premium seats. Um, standard sideline seats priced. Um, they're, uh, they're going to change the pricing here, right? So standard seats, you know, maybe on the side, a little bit toward the back, right? Um, are you know the seats that are currently going to be priced the same? Uh, value sideline seats are those in the front row. No one wants to see those. Those will get a discount, uh, and then preferred sideline are those like in the middle of the aisles, right, like, like right in the middle, maybe, maybe the, the middle row, basically, where you know really nice. You get a premium view at no, at a slightly, and these will come at a slightly higher price. Uh, they're testing in about forty theaters in you know major uh, regions uh, in the U.S. So um, here affecting me in New York, um, LA, Chicago. Um, apparently, AMC A-list members, which I am one of, uh, will be able to reserve these seats at no additional cost. So yay for that! Um, it's also currently limited to. Non matinee so so in the evening only and also non discount uh, five dollar Tuesday so's. Again, I'm not really bothered by this myself, just because I have AMC A list. Um, I tend not to see it in the middle anyway. I tend to see it on toward the aisle, just so I can you know make a quick exit when I need to. Um, but otherwise, I can see how this will definitely be annoying for people, especially in lights of theaters complaining people are not spending and like are not coming out to theaters to watch them, and then they try to pull this. I mean, if they had spun this as a way, hey, we're going to give you some value by give, letting you get you know cheaper seats um, up front. Um, you know that that might have worked, but as as, as is, is you know this was definitely not a great. PR move. Uh, To end a bit of a lighter note, we have some streaming numbers. Uh, Samba TV reported a 21, 2.1 million household viewing number for the first weekend of Black Panther Wakanda Forever on Disney+, Plus over five days, about 40% ahead of Black Panther of the similar time frame, about the same as Doctor Strange and just slightly behind Thor and Love and Thunder. Disney reported it as their best performing film on streaming, and um, of course over-indexed on black households by about 44%. Uh, Post-Oscar nominations, Everything Everywhere All At Once saw the biggest success on streaming, uh, appearing on all three charts of iTunes, Google Play, and Vudu, um, which is the only Best Picture nominee to do so. Uh, Megan and Pussy Moots, in the meantime, hold on to number one and number two spots, uh, respectively. And then are not, not streaming necess- necessarily, but Oscar-related. Uh, variants Films, with the director of RRR here in the States, announced that they will be bringing the Indian epic back to theaters in February in celebration of the Oscar nomination. No dates yet, um, but if you are able to get a chance to see it in theaters and you haven't yet, I mean, Netflix is great and all, but this definitely deserves to be seen on the big screen. So, you know, definitely go check that out if you can. And with that, that's a wrap for this episode. Me ideas for else I should cover via email at, at com or on Twitter at BOWATCHPODCAST. Also, on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review at the very least, tell a friend. Any of that helps. Links to that will be in our show notes. Numbers can still come from numbers.com. Into and outro music from Cameron MacLeod and Music.io. Editing production by Ninsboy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on.